Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Welcome to season eight of She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. This season's theme is places we've called home. That means we will be sharing the stories of ladies that are from or lived anywhere that we've lived for any period of time and considered a home. Yes. Over the years, there have been several cities and countries intent, that we have called home. Whether we've lived there for five years, five months, or a decade, we will tell the stories of ladies from places that we've called home. Yes, I'm very excited to look at ladies who have a connection to places that I have a connection to. Mm -hmm. So it's like me and this lady are extra connected, right? <laughs> like, Or that's yeah. how it feels in my head anyway. Yeah, exactly. We're basically best friends. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be really special to focus on these places and these ladies. I agree with you. I'm excited to start. Yes. But before that, we have to say thank you, listeners, for coming back for another season and for supporting us. Yes. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. All right. Today, we will be discussing Gertie Besosa Silva the first woman to become an architect in Puerto Rico. I'm Norgeri Rivas, just finished my first 5K, the rodeo run in Houston, Texas. Oh. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> I forgot I was going to show you my medal. I got a medal that's actually a belt buckle. If that's oh, not the most rodeo thing you heard. <laughs> sounds so Texan. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Jessica Rogers, and I just finished taking a shower after doing hot yoga from Miami, Florida. So I feel clean. And I'm Lizzie Rar, and I went to the grocery store and did some quilting this morning in San Francisco. Okay, before mm -hmm. a quick disclaimer, y'all, season eight, we are doing the things. It's wild. We had a very productive morning. 
our quick disclaimer. The three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We are just sharing stories about the information that we find. So if we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us. Send us a comment and we will all continue learning. Before we dive into Gertie's story, I want to share a little bit more about why I chose a lady from Puerto Rico today. I'm not sure how often I've mentioned this on the podcast, probably (laughs) all the time, but one more time. I'm from Puerto Rico, everybody. Puerto Rico. I lived there from June of 1990 until August 2008. I was born and raised in Bayamón, which is a town in the north of the island, close to the capital. And for eight seasons now, I've been wanting to talk about a lady from Puerto Rico, but I have had a really hard time finding names of women architects from Puerto Rico that have passed away until one day. The Women in Architecture group of Puerto Rico did an exhibition and there, through photos that my family and friends sent me, I learned the name of the first Puerto Rican woman architect, Gertie Besosa Silva. Wepa! I am <laughs> so excited that you have discovered a Boricua for us to talk about. Yes! yes. You know, on our show, we always talk about how interesting it is to learn about the ladies' lives before they became designers, how knowing these details of their upbringing, etc., can shape the person. So I hope this season, through sharing their stories, we can learn a little bit more about each other. So I am so excited to find out about Gertie. So I need to thank my mom, who really tried to get someone from the Puerto Rico WIA or WIA chapter to connect with me and get me more information, but it didn't quite work out. I'm still waiting. Sad, but shout out to Norma. And also I have to thank my cousin, Manuel Rios Rivas, who called me really excited and sent me a bunch of videos. Oh, and the ladies from Girls in Civil. They also sent me a bunch of videos like all the Puerto Ricans that know about this show when they saw that exhibition. Let me know immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that. Also, yes. The network was at work. The (laughs) network. Yes. The network was at work. Um, <laughs> shout out to Girls in Civil. They were one of the first groups that we made a connection with when we started. Um, it was these ladies from Girls in Civil. They are a group of ladies that work in construction and civil engineering, and their charge is all about bringing more women into the profession. So, well, without further ado, let's talk about Gertie Besosa Silva. The time was 1923 or maybe 1924, depending on the resource. The place, Santurce, Puerto Rico. Gertie Besosa Silva was born. Bienvenido, Gertie. And I know where Santurce is, so this is already super fun because we're talking about places that we know. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. This is going to make for a very fun and exciting season. Facts about Gertie were really hard to find. Like one of the sources was real honest and started off with, Son muy poco conocidos el trasfondo y la trayectoria profesional de Gertie. (laughs) Which is a really fancy way of saying, we don't know much about this lady. (laughs) So that was a great way to start my research. You know, real encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) 
upfront about it. And I mean, <laughs> I just can't get over that. So muy poco conocido. But, <laughs> but it's so fancy. I know. But like we've mentioned before, sometimes it's just really hard to find information on the ladies, especially in their early life. Yeah. I mean, OK, so at least they're being honest, much better than pulling out the net worth, marital status and astrological sign from. That's true. <laughs> But I kept calm, carried on, and little by little uncovered enough about Gertie Pesosa Silva to share with you today. Let's get into it. Mm. So going back to her hometown of Santurce, just to situate ourselves, since this is the theme of our season, places we call home. Santurce is an area of San Juan, the capital, which I mentioned is close to my hometown. So this story is very, very close to home for me. Bayamón and San Juan are part of what we call the metro area in Puerto Rico. So I'm going to go ahead and call Gertie my neighbor. Obviously, seems appropriate. <laughs> According to the 1940 census, her dad was Celedonio Besosa Walden and her mom was Angelina Silva Umpiere. Probably Umpierre or maybe Umpierre. Maybe Umpierre. Let's go with Umpierre. All right. Gertie had an older sister, Mirtelina Besosa Silva. These names, everybody. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. The Besosa Silva household also had a servant named Josefina Jimenez Vasquez and a cook, Amalia Trinidad Ansguez. Wow. That census was thorough. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were able to find more info than you thought you would, even though son muy poco conocido de Gerti, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I was surprised to find that information as part of the census. It made me think she came from a wealthy family. Yeah. Perhaps. Oh, yeah. Well, let's move on to her teenage years. Ladies, when I was 14 years old, I was starting high school. That's pretty normal, right? Yeah, uh -huh. right. Like the first couple months of the year of the school right. year, I was 13. I was 14 when I started. Yeah. Not Gertie. Oh. When she was 14 years old, she was graduating high school. Ekumi. She got her diploma from Sacred Heart Academy in Santurce. Keke. This lady is already an overachiever. I cannot. Wow. Real <laughs> ahead. Yeah. She thought, okay, I got my high school diploma. Now I can go to college. I'm going to apply to Cornell to study architecture. You know, like any 14-year-old would do. Claro. I mean, you typically apply to college after high school, regardless of age. Right. I'm not mm -hmm. sure how far you get, though, when you're under 18. I have a friend so. who went when she was 16. So, like, it does happen. You know, like somebody oh. who skipped a grade. So... I will say future episode alert. We do have a couple of ladies that go around the teen years, but it's 14 is really yeah, young, I mean, though. But like, 14 is really it's young. It's been known to happen. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. It's real young. It's been known to happen. But Cornell replied, little girl, <laughs> you are way too young to be doing this. Please proceed to enjoy being a teenager <laughs> and apply again when you're an adult. Quote 
unquote. I'm sure that's exactly what they said. Um, I mean, I guess I kind of agree with them, but I'm also bummed they didn't accept her. You know, she knew what she wanted and they were like, yeah, I'm sorry, please turn around, go back. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was the major, like had she picked another major, would they have accepted her so young? I don't know. I'm maybe I'm grasping at I still feel like 14 is pretty young. Like if she was 16, do you think maybe they would have let her go? I don't know. Like somehow that feels older for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm sure Gertie thought that sounded like the most boring thing ever to <laughs> enjoy being a teenager. I mean, there's a, a reason she applied to college. Yeah. She wanted to go. Duh. So. The University of Puerto Rico, which is one of the best colleges in the island, offered her a chance to take preparatory courses at the university so she wouldn't die of boredom while she waited for Cornell to let her in. Well, I'm really glad that she did not die of boredom. And I'm glad (laughs) that the university let her take prep courses. I feel like that's also common now that you could take some courses in high school, right? So that you have credits going into college. But I'm surprised Cornell didn't offer her something like that, right? That she could have gone and taken prep courses. I guess she would have had to find a place to live, but, and there wasn't remote options then. Either way, you know. Also, I wonder if perhaps at the University of Puerto Rico, if she was able to take those, if those courses, they could be transferred to Cornell. Mm. That would have been, that's neither here nor there, but like, cause like the high school, the classes, the classes that I took, if I would have went to a local Miami-Dade or Miami University, I could have like skipped a year. I didn't want to do that because mm-hmm. um, obviously I'm not Gertie that wants to like get ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't have been with us. I know. So that would not work out. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't want to. St- yeah. So anyway, we are talking about the 1930s. So. Besides being sexist and maybe islandist, I don't know. <laughs> we can assume that uh, people were ageist too. Oh, I mean. uh, yeah. It's interesting to think about, though. Uh, you know the the architecture academic world in Puerto Rico. The UPR, the University of Puerto Rico, it's the oldest architecture school in the island, and it's probably safe to say that it was the only one at that time. So it's nice that they were at least accommodating for Gertie. So Mm -hmm. it's it's good. Finally, Cornell let her in. So there's a happy resolution to this. Now, not only is Gertie my hometown neighbor, but she's a little bit of our university neighbor too, because she studied at Cornell University, so which is kind of close to Syracuse. We could have met her up. When we went to watch a lecture over there or something. I was mm-hmm. thinking the same thing. You're living parallel <laughs> yeah. lives. <laughs> but OK, wait, how old was she when Cornell finally let her in? I believe she was, you know, the normal age of 17 or 18 when she started college. Okay. All right. Yeah. While Gertie was in school, she wasn't just going to classes, trying to stay alive like some of us. I know that was me in school, yep. just taking it day by day, yes. but not Gertie. She became the president of Evigol, an honorary association of Cornell women architects. Of course she did. I mean, the girl graduated high school at 14 and she was going to die of boredom if she didn't go to school. You know, she was doing things on the side in college. <laughs> Listen, 
Yeah, I mean, the girl doesn't seem like the type to just take naps and chill. She seems <laughs> like the always working type, you know? Yeah. Her thesis project was for new installations of the Casino of Puerto Rico in Condado. And for that, she won first prize. Oh, wow. That is very cool. Okay, so for the non-architects, thesis year is the final year of college and it concludes with a final project. It becomes somewhat competitive because folks try to put out their best project, their best work. When they are selected in Syracuse, they call it a super jury. And it's a very high achievement in the architecture space. Yeah, that's super impressive of Gertie. Okay, I'm going to admit when we were doing thesis, I was looking for the highest grade I could get without making super jury. I was Mm -hmm. like, I was threading a needle. I was like, I don't want super jury, but I want to like do well. I was like, I'm not about that life, (laughs) a.k.a. another week of having to work on my thesis and present another time in front of a huge group Mm -hmm. of critics. But, you know, good for Gertie. Sounds like she Mm -hmm. thrived on that. I agree. Speaking of graduation, Gertie graduated from Cornell in 1945, and she became the very first Puerto Rican woman to graduate with a degree in architecture. She was also the first Latin American woman to graduate from the program. Felicidades a Gertie. Sí, go Gertie. So she gets back home to Puerto Rico and wastes no time in getting her license. And bam, she becomes the first Puerto Rican woman to be licensed in architecture and she got the highest grade out of all the test takers i guess that's something that they would let you know back then oh i love it yes gertie she started working with some big figures in puerto rico she worked with rafael carmoega on the design for the casino of puerto rico which was her thesis project so i was really curious if she got the job with Rafael through the thesis project or if she was an intern with him while in school. I'm leaning towards that situation and that's why she chose her thesis. So I looked more into the project. Unfortunately, I did not find an answer to my hypothesis. (laughs) So I'll leave it up to y'all to decide which story you like imaginations. Yes. But I did learn that the Casino of Puerto Rico was a very important piece of international style architecture in the island. Unfortunately, it's been torn down. So sadly, we can't visit it on an adventure. But I did find a rendering that you can check out on our show notes. Okay, her thesis got built like Mm -hmm. that's super cool, but a real bummer that it's not like still around for us to go see. Mm -hmm. But that's a really interesting question of like chicken or the egg nerdy about her thesis and the project. I guess, like you said, we'll make our own assumptions. So here I go. I assume that she did her thesis. And then when she was interviewing for a job, she had the project in her portfolio. And Rafael was like, this looks super cool. That's a project I want to build. You're hired and I'm going to have you spearhead this project with me. Done and done. <laughs> okay. Like this version. That's my did, that's my guess. <laughs> did anyone just have like a roller coaster of emotions or was it just me though? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm excited, but then saddened to hear that like 
this was a thing, but it got torn down. And it's cool to hear that, you know, like thesis projects are like being built and all that. I, I don't know. Okay, but my theory would be that maybe the island was talking about building a casino and Raphael maybe didn't want to design something or maybe didn't have the time to do it. And then, bam, here comes Gertie and she's like, I did something. And they were like, and it's award winning <laughs> from Cornell. And he was like, OK, you know, that's right. It. You know, just yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Take Who your knows? pick, listeners. Yes, that's right. Or or come up with your own ideas and let us know. Yeah, write to us. Let us know. I did learn the hard way that there is another casino called the Antiguo Casino de Puerto Rico, the old casino of Puerto Rico, which is a completely different project. So be careful when you're Googling this. You might get the wrong project, <laughs> though. That one is really cool, too. But I'm not going to go into it today. Mm. Watch yourself. I mean, at least you figured out it was a different one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Before in time, you like before put this the episode. show notes together and you're like, look oh, at this yeah. beautiful casino. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, thank you. Yes, for this clarification. And it does seem like an easy mistake to make. So, uh, but OK, I want to talk a little bit about this Rafael Carmuega because he was actually pretty impressive himself. He was the first Puerto Rican to become the state architect. And we've mentioned a similar role when we discussed Dora God, episode 41, because she was the state architect of Israel. So for Rafael, his role was within the Department of the Interior. And in that role, he would design things like the Capitol Building, the City Hall of Mayagüez, as well as some of the universities. As if working with one star architect wasn't enough, Gertie also worked with Henry Klum in the Public Works Design Committee, specifically in the Housing Department. En serio? Henry Klum is one of the most well-known modern architects in Puerto Rican architecture. He's originally from Germany, and he came to the States in 1927, where he worked with Frank Lloyd Wright at Taliesin. And in 1944, he moved to Puerto Rico to collaborate on the post-war modern design of Puerto Rico. He spent the rest of his career there and worked on many projects, including the campus master plan of the University of Puerto Rico, where Gertie took those prep courses that we talked about at the start of the episode. That's so cool that she got to work with him. Mm -hmm. She worked on plans for government housing in the towns of Lares and Aguadilla on the west of Puerto Rico. Site visits would have been a mini road trip. I have family in Aguadilla. I really like that area, actually. Yeah, I stopped briefly in Aguadilla one of the times that I visited Puerto Rico. It was super nice. And there's a really nice beach there. Crash Boat Beach. It's cool to think that she got to work like all over the island. Yeah. She moved through the ranks at Public Works and became the leader of the site planning division. And she also worked for the Department of the Interior. Making moves. Nice. Very nice. As I was learning this about her, I thought she would have fit in a future season of architects involved in government work. Honestly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. So I almost kept her out of the season but i decided i want to talk to her i no, want to no. talk about her already this so. is the oh, right time yeah. for gertie yes she really is she was also the first woman to be a part of the governing body of the colegio de arquitectos ingenieros y agrimensores the college of architects engineers and surveyors love all the leadership roles she took on throughout her career she's so inspiring 
Yeah, it sounds like these kinds of organizations have always been important to her, even when she was at college and Cornell, like she's always really involved somehow. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Knowing a little bit about the organizations in Puerto Rico, I was wondering if we were going to mention El Colegio. And it also makes sense, considering that two folks or two dudes that she worked for, they both worked in the government aspect of architecture. Good connection. Yeah. Well, while working for the government, Gertie also ran her own private practice. I mean, <laughs> What? <laughs> she focused mainly on home design. She worked on private homes, such as the residence of Gladys Roig in the town of Umacao. You know, just a casual side hustle. <laughs> a little side business. Okay, yeah. so is Gladys like famous or important? Or I no. spent a while looking into this. And while I could not confirm it, I deduce that she was a member of the Roig family in Umacao that were wealthy sugar planters at the time. So maybe she also worked on an apartment building named the Guerra Mondragon building in the hip area of San Juan called Condado, though I don't know how hip it could have been at that time. <laughs> I know it's hip today. <laughs> I found pictures of her construction drawings for that project. So I'm going to put that on the show notes. Oh, actually, no, I don't know if I will, because they belong to the school library and I need to get permission to post them on the show notes. So check out our show notes to find out if I got permission or not. Fingers crossed. Yes, <laughs> fingers crossed. We'll leave you in suspense. First things first, I need to ask. <laughs> I forgotten to send them an email. <laughs> Putting it on my to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> If you haven't noticed yet, Gertie was a real trailblazer. She was doing a lot left and right. So one day a newspaper interviewed her and she spoke about her thoughts on being a woman and having a career. I'll read this quote from her. There are many people that believe that when a woman studies a profession, she will dedicate her life to that profession. I think in my own home, I could continue working, making plans for new constructions, but I insist that before the profession, my husband and my home would come first. Hmm. Interesante. This surprises me that she would choose that over her profession since up to this point, she's been so driven and so focused on getting into the architecture profession from like a very young age. So it's mm -hmm. just interesting to hear her say that that's where her priorities were in a way. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And uh, so many thoughts, because up until this point, I would have thought that Gertie was a workaholic, you know, so <laughs> it's interesting to know that she actively is speaking about essentially work life balance. <laughs> I is mean, she... I guess so. But is it work life balance or she's saying like one or the other. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, to me, it sounded yeah. like that. It sounded mm. like for her, it would be one or the other. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because like you could interpret it that she's saying like I could keep doing those things, but my top priority would be my husband and my family. But I might also do this other stuff on the side. So like Jessica's saying, it could be work life balance or it could be right. I can only choose one. Yeah. I struggled with that comment, but I decided I mean, if that's what she really wants and that's going to sure. make her happy, I fully support her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
A lot has been happening on this episode. She's been killing it all over the place. You would think that I've covered at least a decade of her life from the time that she graduated Cornell until now. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. She's been running government agencies, running her own practice. So I would guess that 10, 15 years have passed, you know, more or less. Okay. yeah, I agree with you. I have a feeling you're about to blow my mind, though. I mean, I guess it depends on how busy she was. Like, did she do like, did she just not sleep for like years <laughs> or something? And could then, be. Could be. Cause, yeah. Because like I would have guessed maybe nocturnal. like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> or, so, or like just lived off of coffee beans or something like chocolate covered coffee. I mean, beans. we know Julia Morgan, coffee and chocolate. Exactly. True. But yeah, I would have guessed 10 years, though. Well, Lizzie, I hope this blows your mind. That <laughs> you're both. As surprised as I was when I learned that only five years have passed since she graduated in 1945, putting us in 1950 when she got married to some dude and life took them to Brazil. Come on, okay, five years. What? Yeah. I'm just confused. I, I don't I don't get it. Believe it. <laughs> I, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It. When I'm doing my research. When I'm doing my research, I take notes like I write on top of the research. And at this point, I literally wrote WTF just happened. First of all, she did all that work in five years. When did she get married? Who did she marry? What is going on right now? I mean, it does not compute. Like, I... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That's like a speechless. <laughs> I don't get I just... it. It's a lot like, like, yeah, all the projects. When did she get married? Who did she marry? When did she date? Because <laughs> like, that's true. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't with this schedule, like, and this oh is before apps, so, so I don't get how she did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't fathom that much work in five years. I'm also curious to know what exactly happened in those like four ish years before she attended Cornell and she gets married. Like maybe like that's what she was dating and like also building things. And like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, you know what, Jessica? That's a good point. For all we know, Gertie had been in some shape or form involved in architecture since she was 14. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her to have had internships or something during that time that we don't know about. And I would bet even more that she was working internships while she was doing architecture school. Mm. So if we factor that into the math, it means by 1950, she had almost like 13 years of experience, which would add up to her running and leading all the work that she did. Don't you think? Yeah, I suppose that makes more sense. But mm-hmm. it's more fun to think about her doing all of that in five years. Am I right? <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It does. Maybe she was. She was like eating chocolate covered espresso beans, snorting it. Like she only yeah. slept like two hours a day. <laughs> And like we kept working, you know, but I mean, it's just jaw droppingly fun to think about it. it. it Literally, is. my it jaw is. dropped the first time <laughs> yeah. I read that. I was like, yeah, <sighs> as if her sudden marriage and move weren't shocking enough. The paper I was reading literally just ended there. 
It was it. She got married, moved to Brazil, never practiced architecture in Puerto Rico again. The end. What? KK? Mm-hmm. Mm. What? Well, after a lot more digging, I found that she married Joaquin Severa Travieso on February 13, 1950 in Santurce. And Joaquin was born on September 12, 1901. And he may have been from the town of Fajardo, which is at the far east of the island. So I was very curious how those two met since geography and age put them pretty far apart. Yeah, like, okay, he's like 22 years older than her. And uh-huh. what did he do? Did they meet in architecture circles? I have so many questions. No idea. I mean, I guess the architecture world is pretty small. So if he was in architecture, right. I can imagine it being even smaller on the island. So yeah, that would make that's, sense. That's how they would do it. But uh, again, I go back to like my like marriage and dating thing because like... That far east side of the island. So there was no apps or cell phones. So yeah. Yeah. But like it wasn't like an hour drive, probably like it is now, you know, like exactly. (laughs) So I don't know. I wonder about this guy. I saw 22 years and like, I don't know, just in Brazil. Yeah. Me too. I was left with a lot of questions. Like, what did Joaquin do for a living? What took them to Brazil? Did Gertie get to keep practicing in Brazil like she said she would? Was she Mm -hmm. doing drawings at home? I spent a while searching, but I just could not find the answers to any of that. So it's a mystery. Okay, wait. Mm -hmm. So you're actually saying like this is the end. Yeah. I thought you meant... Okay, because when you first said the end, I thought you meant this article ended abruptly and it was weird and kind of funny. But then Mm -hmm. you were going to like tell us about this other piece of information that you found to tell us all about her life in Brazil. Is that not the case? It's not, baby. Ay, no puede ser. Como que the end? We need more. This. All I can tell you is that Gertie supposedly passed away in 1983. But where? From what? Who knows? Who knows? From boredom. (laughs) (laughs) OMG. I will say, despite this abrupt and surprising ending, the first quarter of Gertie's life is a great inspiration to anyone interested in this profession. And thanks to the barriers that she broke down as a Puerto Rican woman in architecture, I can be here today having studied architecture myself and living my dream of practicing this profession. So I'm really thankful to Gertie and glad that I got to learn as much as we did about her today. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, she did as much as one person does in their whole life in like 30 years. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's wild. But okay, now I'm going back to the quote that you told us, she said, and she Mm. really did feel like her husband and home came first. So after she got married, she decided to quit architecture and focus on that. It sounds like. Right. I mean, I guess we'll never really know, but. I hope that she still did a bit of side hustling. I mean, it sounds like Gertie was an all or nothing kind of lady, though. So maybe that was it. Right. She just was like, it's either one or the other. 
nice. She might be the first lady that like not necessarily retires, but like does play bingo after architecture because <laughs> we just don't know. Like we don't know. We don't know. And she we'll like you said, know. she she was an all or nothing kind of girl. So she was like, you know what? I'm yeah. all tend to my husband, my house and play bingo and maybe do a little sketching on the side. You know, you get it, Gertie. That's what you want. Do it. Get your you bingo you on. Uh, but her story is very inspiring because she was the first. And, yeah. you know, it this all or nothing concept, it just it makes me think about what it means to be a woman in the profession and that all or nothing mon- mentality one might have to have in the industry. But it's just food for I don't know. It just makes you wonder, like, why? Why does it have to be that way? But I'm just glad we got to talk about La Isla del Encanto. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's time for our karyatid. A reminder: a karyatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building. In each episode, we present a karyatid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through her work, and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. All right. Without further ado, drum roll, please. <laughs> Astrid Diaz! Astrid! Astrid Diaz is an architect from Puerto Rico. And now that I think about it, she was the very first architect that I knew because she had a program on TV about buildings. So Part of me wanted to take over her show when I grew up. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. actually pretty cool. Like, I'd like to watch that show. Yeah. Astrid is from San Juan, just like Gertie. And she has a master's in architecture from the School of Architecture at the University of Puerto Rico. You know, the same one that saved Gertie from boredom. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Astrid has always been very invested in Puerto Rico. When she graduated in the 1990s with her master's in architecture, she wanted to do more than draft plans. So she had the idea to start a program teaching Puerto Rican viewers about architecture, construction, history and preservation. And people were like, "Mm, that doesn't sound like it will get a lot of ratings. Sounds more like a limited series. But... Years later, she's still going strong. She was even nominated to an Emmy in 2016. Amazing. See, the people want to hear about architecture. Give the people what they want. Amen. Preach. Also, I think I'd like that job, too. Yeah, right. I could see you in that. Sounds sounds fun. Astrid has her own firm. ADV Architects, and she is also involved in social housing. She designed modular homes after Hurricane Maria, meant to withstand the category humongo hurricanes we get in the island now. And I think that they could be in construction right now. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. That's really great. I can definitely see a connection with Gertie in that they're both working on public housing projects and have a really vested interest in the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Astrid, for all you're doing, for being an inspiration since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Today, we're going to visit the Agora. Woo! Uh, 
So in Greek society, the Agora was the central meeting place of the city where news was shared far and wide. So now we are going to share some good news and share the excitement and the wins together. Today at the Agora, we have some very exciting news of our own to share. With the start of our new season, we've also launched She Builds Podcast Merch. We've picked up some really cool stuff for you all. We got t-shirts, notebooks, sweatpants, water bottles, and so much more. In fact, uh, we will, we're also recording this on video and we're all wearing some She Builds merch right now as we record this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find the merch on our website at shebuildspodcast.com backslash merch. And we'll have links in our show notes and on our social media. So check that out. Yes. We want to see you. If you're, if you got She Builds Podcast merch, be sure to take a photo and tag us on tag Instagram because we want to see you rocking that She Builds Podcast swag. That's and right. Yeah. Listeners, you know, we love sharing great news. This great news is about us, but we want to hear great news from you guys. So feel free to share them with us, big or small. Please send them to our email at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. And we could celebrate all of your accomplishments together. Before we say adios, we want to say gracias to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, muchas gracias to you all for listening. We also want to give a special shout out to Docomomo Puerto Rico for their information that they share about Gertie. Yes, listeners, remember to check out our show notes for links to all of our resources on this episode, as well as pictures of projects we've talked about, including if we were able to get some pictures. Those permissions that I need to get. Yep. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed listening about Gertie and Astrid along with our banter and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, thank you. She Builds Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. G-A-B-L Media.com. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your coworkers, your 14-year-olds who want to study architecture, your government officials, your husbands who take you to Brazil. Tell them all. Give us five stars on iTunes and (laughs) Spotify and write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about all these bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Until then, hasta luego. Adios. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. So I need to thank my mom who really tried to get some. Do I need to do this? You better thank your mama. Yeah, why not? She gave you that.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.